You're listening to the Hui Kala Baptist Church Podcast coming to you from the heart of Honolulu. Hui Kala is a committed family of faith that loves Jesus and loves one another. Grab your Bible and prepare for preaching from the Word of God from Pastor Anthony King. John chapter 15 is where we're at uh, tonight. We're going to take a look at uh, John 15, uh, starting in verse number 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. And you're clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If men abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they're burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Here is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so ye shall be my disciples. The Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Jesus is speaking here to the apostles. He's getting ready to, uh, to offer himself to be uh, crucified for our sins. He knows that it, this, his time is short with the apostles. Uh, John 14, 15, and 16 are such a treasure to us about knowing who Jesus is, who the Holy Spirit is, and what God expects of us. And so I highly encourage you, if you've never read through the book of John, read through it. There's so much meat uh, in there for you. If you've ever wondered who the Holy Spirit is or what his role in our lives are, read uh, John 14, 15, and 16. You'll see very clearly the role that the Holy Spirit plays in the life of the Christian. Tonight we're taking a look at spiritual fruitfulness and what that actually looks like. Uh, the Bible uses the, the idea of a, a plant bringing forth fruit multiple times throughout Scripture. Uh, one of them that we think about probably the most is Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. If you're taking notes, I'd write out to the, in your margin there, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. That'll give you an idea what, what it looks like when we're walking with the Holy Spirit. Uh, this is what the first type of spiritual fruit in our life looks like uh, when we're walking with Jesus, and that's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. In this uh, passage here, Jesus is talking about what the actual fruit is that we bear. Uh, and many people have, have debated over the years what exactly type of fruit is, this is. Uh, the idea is this, is that our lives would be fruitful. That our lives would bring forth something of lasting substance. That our lives would not be something that is simply for ourselves, but is for uh, other people as well. Tonight we're taking a look at the spiritual fruitfulness of our church. Uh, I've shared with, uh, on last Sunday night, I shared with our men in our men's meeting a few weeks ago uh, that our, our church right now is going through a, a, a time in our, our church's history that we haven't seen in, in, in quite a few times, uh, probably just one or two times in the history of our church uh, we've seen this. And it's the uh, a time that we've gone of not seeing people accept Christ as their Savior, not seeing people saved. Anything that's healthy will grow. Uh, and so that goes with a, a church, a healthy church will grow. We don't have to force it to grow. We don't have to manipulate it to grow. We don't have to tweak it in any way to make it grow. Healthy things just grow. Uh, my daughter Tallulah, she's nine months old, and if you've ever seen her thighs, uh, they are huge thighs. Uh, we didn't have to tell her to work out those thighs. We didn't have to tell her to uh, grow those thighs. She's just a healthy little girl who loves to drink her bottle and loves to get thick thighs. My mom said I had the exact same thighs as well. 
But healthy things automatically grow. We don't have to force them to grow. If you've ever had a child that maybe you took it to the doctor and it wasn't hitting its, uh, its numbers the way that it should, the doctors get concerned and they want to find out how they can uh, help this child thrive. We as a church family, when we don't see people accept Christ as Savior, when we don't see people saved in our church, it's something that we need to step back and analyze what we're doing, how we're doing it, and find out if everything's okay. Tonight is one of those nights. Now, we cannot assume just because we uh, gather together every single week that we're going to see people saved every week. We can't automatically assume that even if we're doing things 100% biblically correct and everything is okay and we're a healthy church, God never promises that we're going to see people saved every single week of the world. Uh, But what we should say is when we haven't seen someone come to faith in Christ in months, we should step back and go, hey, we just need to check and make sure that everything's operating the way that it should. And that's where we find ourselves tonight. Now, I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination. uh, And let me just preface what I'm getting ready to say by this. We don't allow numbers to dictate what we do. Numbers are not an indication of of healthy growth. Uh, Numbers are just a metric on a sheet of paper or a spreadsheet somewhere. And we're not about numbers here. So I want to say that from the get-go. But at the same time, if we're not measuring the health by uh, several different metrics, we won't really know, are we doing the job that we're supposed to do? Some of the things that we count is we count uh, how many uh, invitations to church or tracks we get out in a given week. We count things like how many people show up for community outreach. We track things like uh, attendance and class sizes and things along those lines uh, to kind of give us an overall gauge how people are doing. At the end of the day, we can't see people's hearts and see how they're growing in their walk with Christ. We can't quantify that. So uh, any attempt that we make to put a number associated with something is going to fall short. Are you with me tonight? You can't quantify spiritual health. We do have some metrics that we can look at that help us along the way to do that. And so we're going to take a look at some of those tonight. We're going to take a look at what the Bible says about fruit bearing as well. Just to give you a recap, over the last 90 days, again, we've seen zero people accept Christ as Savior, zero salvations, which is unique for us. But we have seen nine people get baptized. Uh, Nine people were baptized just a few weeks ago. Uh, We'll have another baptism Sunday this coming Sunday. Right now we have seven people slated for baptism this coming Sunday. So again, we're not talking about our churches spiritually dry, our spiritually uh, unfruitful in any way. Uh, In addition to that, in the last 90 days, we've had 17 people join our church by way of church membership. And so uh, they've come to our church. They said, we've been saved. We've been baptized. We want to join in the work of Jesus in this church. And they've committed to church membership. That's a healthy thing. Uh, One of the things that uh, we've seen in the last 90 days also is 46 people involved in discipleship. This is probably a record number for us as a church at one time, seeing so many people uh, committed to to learning about their faith or teaching another person their faith. Uh, For our first couple of years here at Huikala, we didn't have a, a great emphasis on discipleship. We were just trying to get people in the door and people to keep coming back every week. But probably about three years ago, we shifted and began to make a great emphasis upon this idea of discipleship. It's part of the Great Commission. We become commanded to go, win, baptize, and teach. And if we're not teaching people the Word of God, we're not growing Christians in their faith, we're not fulfilling the Great Commission the way God expects us to. Uh, we've seen over uh, 80 first-time guests uh, come and be a part of our services. Uh, many of them have stuck around. It was encouraging today to see uh, several first-time guests that were here last week that came back again this week, and uh, folks that have come back three weeks in a row. So please don't under, under, please understand me and please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying that God has taken his hand of blessing off of our church. I'm not saying our church is not getting the work of the ministry done. I'm not saying that our church is spiritually dead or unfruitful in any way whatsoever. I am saying that I am concerned and I want you to be concerned about the souls of men. That's it. 
We live in a city of 400,000 people, the majority of which don't know Jesus Christ as Savior. And we need to make sure that we're doing everything that we can humanly possibly do to reach these people with the gospel. At the end of the day, uh, Jesus Christ uh, will save them from their sins. The Holy Spirit will convict them of their sin. God will make provision through his sons, Jesus Christ's sacrifice for them to be saved. You and I couldn't save anybody if we wanted to. Uh, we can't manipulate people into, we can't trick people into being saved. We can't uh, give our best speech that we can in hopes that people will get saved. At the end of the day, God does the work. We just have to be the tool that's being used. However, the Bible does talk about bearing fruit in this particular passage. First of all, in, uh, the, the promise of bearing fruit comes from abiding in Jesus Christ. The whole idea of, of John 15 here is that we would abide in Jesus Christ. Now, abide doesn't mean stop by for a quick visit. If, if your only uh, abiding time with Jesus Christ is Sunday morning at 10 a.m., you are not abiding in Christ. You're stopping by for a visit. The idea of abiding means he lives with you. He eats every meal with you. He goes to work with you. He lays down with you at night. That's what dwelling looks like. And abiding with Christ means it's a 24-7 relationship that you and I are in. And the Bible promises when we do that, that there will be spiritual fruit. Again, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying if we abide in Christ that people will get saved. I'm not saying that. I'm saying spiritual fruit will come, some of which might be people getting saved, some of it might be people getting baptized. It might be people uh, turning their life around and getting back in a right relationship with Christ, but there will be fruit when you abide spiritually. If you ha can look back at the last six months of your life and not see any fruit at all in your own personal life, that should cause you cause for concern. You should step back and go, oh, something's not right because I can't see God growing my faith. I haven't grown in my love towards God or my love for people or my love for the word. I, I dread going to church or maybe I dread time in the word. I, I, I get frustrated because, uh, you know, uh, people bother me so much and I don't have love for other people or maybe my, my marriage is falling apart, but you're not seeing spiritual fruit. You should check yourself because the promise is if we abide in Christ, we will see fruit. It's a promise. And again, that fruit looks different in every other person's life. And so uh, we can't compare uh, our apples with somebody else's apples. It doesn't work that way. It's a matter of us examining our own lives, examining our own fruit. Oftentimes, Christians will get frustrated by their lack of fruit and then begin to jump to wild conclusions. Maybe I'm not saved. Maybe I'm not a child of God. I'm not seeing fruit. Maybe I'm not seeing the fruit of the Holy Spirit in my life. I'm not loving the way that I should. I don't have peace in my life. I don't have joy the way that I should. Maybe I'm just not saved. Please understand, your salvation is not secured by the amount of fruit you produce. Your salvation is not an emotion that you have. It's not a feeling that you carry. I've talked to so many Christians who say, Pastor, I just don't feel saved. Well, I'm thankful that salvation is not a feeling or an emotion. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You see, salvation is recognizing that you've sinned against the holy God, that you uh, have uh, committed sin, you've broken God's law, you've rebelled against him. That's uh, the first part of understanding a relationship with God, realizing you've broken God's law, you've messed up, you've made mistakes. And realizing that your sin has a price that must be paid. You see, without Jesus Christ, uh, you and I are headed on a one-way ticket to hell because of our sin. The wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That God loves you so much, Romans 5, 8 says that he demonstrates or commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, that Jesus came and died on the cross because of God's love for us, even when we were sinning and rebelling against him. And that 
you and I must make a decision for ourselves to put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He's paid the price of sin for us, but we must accept his payment and apply it to our account. You see, you can't get to heaven on anyone else's coattails. You can't get to heaven based on what church you attend or what church you are a part of. The only way you can get to heaven is for you personally, putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior. The Bible says that when that happens, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you. And that that abiding relationship with Jesus every single day will bring forth fruit in your life. Take a look at this passage we see in verse number two. uh, Jesus speaks of fruit. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. What this says is if you're not bearing fruit in your life, that God is gonna take you and set you to the side. It doesn't mean he casts you out of his family. It doesn't mean that you're no longer a child of God. It means he moves on and begins to work where there is more fruit. So you see, first of all, that Jesus speaks of fruit, but then Jesus talks about in verse number two, and every branch that he beareth, he purgeth, that it may bring forth more fruit. So we go from fruit, just having fruit, to God doing his work in your life so that you can be more fruitful. That there's some things that he has to cut back. There's some areas that he needs to prune, some areas that he needs to work to bring forth more fruit in your life. But it doesn't stop with more fruit. Take a look if you would in verse number five. I'm the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. You see, this is growing exponentially. It went from just having fruit to having more fruit to having much fruit. So you and I cannot at any point in our life become um, disinterested, apathetic towards a lack of fruit bearing in our own lives or in our church either. We need to be continually looking for areas that we can prune to bring forth more fruit, We need to be looking for ways that we can abide to a greater degree to bring forth much fruit. We skip down to verse number 16. We didn't read this as part of our scripture reading, but Jesus says, you've not chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. You know, I've seen churches before where they want somebody to do a one, two, three, repeat after me so that they can get saved. And I'll use that in air quotes because a one, two, three, repeat after me never saved anybody. Pray this prayer and you'll get to go to heaven. Hey, did you know that we could have had 50 kids saved at Vacation Bible School last week if we just said, hey, kids, raise your hand if any of you want to go to hell when you die. Nobody wants to go to hell. Well, if you don't want to go to hell, say these words after me. And every single kid would have said anything we wanted them to say. That's not salvation. That's not repentance. That's not Holy Spirit conversion. And that's not gonna be fruit that remains either. Our goal is not to tick off a list or get a a line on a spreadsheet where we're able to put a number one in there and say, oh, praise God, we got somebody saved. The idea is that our fruit would remain. It grieves me as a pastor and it should grieve your heart every time someone comes to church and uh, accepts Christ as Savior and then walks out the door and never comes back and never continues on in their relationship with Christ. We should be seeking for fruit that remains. And the whole goal of the Christian life is we would find a place to get planted, get stuck, stay with. And so our, our goal is not fruit. Our goal is much fruit that remains. That's the idea, that's the plan, that if we're abiding in Christ, we will begin to see this fruit. Here's the thing, God wants to save people in Honolulu. He really does. If you were to look at any any study of any type of demographics, you'll find that probably three quarters of our city says that they have no religious affiliation whatsoever. 
of the 25% that claim to be religious, probably only 15% of those claim to be, and I'll use air quotes here very liberally, Christian. Because a lot of times they, they'll uh, group Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses and, and Catholics and uh, everybody else in the Christian group. If that were true and only 15% of our city is saved, folks, that leaves people in the hundreds of thousands in our city that are going to hell tonight. I can't fathom a God whose will is that everyone would be saved. 2 Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If God wants everyone to come to repentance, He wants everyone to be saved, how can we live in a city with 300,000 plus people on their way to hell that are not coming to repentance? We should check and make sure we're doing everything we can, everything we can to reach those people with the gospel. So we take a look at what the Bible has to say about fruit bearing. We'll take a look at uh, six reasons here for a lack of biblical fruitfulness. First of all, in our text here, a lack of abiding. If you and I aren't walking with Jesus the way that we should, we'll never see spiritual fruitfulness in our life. If we go to a church of people who uh, just show up on Sundays and go home and don't walk with Jesus throughout the week, we'll never see spiritual fruitfulness in our church. Several years ago, a study was done of a, a popular church that was popular for the, the church growth movement and that how to attract people to your worship services. And uh, they, they did all kinds of crazy metrics, like how long the, the message should be, how long the song should be, uh, what type of songs they should sing, what the band should, should be, what the facility should be, what the seating capacity should be, uh, the way the chairs are arranged. They did all of these uh, studies to find out the best way to get people in seats. And this, this church was explosive in their growth of getting people in the front door. But then they began to do a study 20 years later at the spiritual fruit from that, and they found that these people were not what they called self-feeders. They came to church to get something, and then they did not pray, read their Bible, or share their faith at all. Overwhelming numbers, the majority of people, and the 90% did not walk with Jesus throughout the week, but came to church on Sunday. Folks, we're not interested in that at all. If we're not abiding in Christ, we'll never see fruit in our own lives, we'll never see fruit in our families, and we'll never see fruit in our church. We cannot be a church that does not abide with Jesus. And, and I hope tonight's message is a cause for all of us to step back and analyze our own hearts. I know over the last three weeks since God's begun to put this burden on my heart that I wanna share with you, and I want it to be the burden of our church to see people get saved. I've stepped back and reanalyzed a lot of things in my own life. Areas that maybe I got too comfortable, areas where I wasn't seeking God the way that I should. I'm gonna be ultra transparent with you guys tonight because you're my church family and I can be honest with you guys. Most of you noticed this morning when our service started, I didn't open the service. I didn't tell people to stand in it. I didn't pray. I actually asked one of our men to do that. And every week I'm going to be asking a different one of our guys to come up and, and greet the church family and pray. You know why? Because for the last five years, you know what I do? I walk up here and I say, let's all stand together this morning. So glad you're here. And who we call, let's have a word of prayer. And I say the exact same prayer every single week of the world. I realized that like two weeks ago. And I realized I just got in a groove. I know the, I say the exact same things every single week. And here's the worst part. Nobody ever really notices either. And prayer time at the opening of a service just became the segue from you're sitting down now, you need to stand up and sing some songs. And, I, and God got a hold of my heart and said, is that all prayer is to you? Just a segue from one section of the service to the other? And I didn't want that to be the case. And so we made a change this morning, a small change, but we made it. Because I don't want to get stuck in a rut just doing what we've always done. I want to abide with Jesus. I want to live with Jesus. I want to eat, sleep, drink 
Jesus in every area of my life. And I want to encourage you to do the same. Is there an area of your life where you've gotten too comfortable, where you're no longer abiding the way that you used to? Second biblical reason for a lack of fruitfulness is a lack of prayer and fasting. Jesus said, when you pray, here's how you should pray. When you give, here's how you should give. When you fast, not if you fast, when you fast, here's how you should fast. I would venture to say that many Christians don't fast as part of their regular spiritual disciplines. I know many Christians who don't pray as part of their regular spiritual disciplines. And folks, we cannot see the hand of God's blessing upon our church family if we're not willing to get on our face before him. If we're not willing to pray and ask for God to do things. Luke chapter 11, verse number nine says, and ask, I say unto you, ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, find it. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. I don't know about you, but I can honestly say when it comes to praying for the souls of men, I don't spend as much time praying as I should. And I think it'd be hard-pressed to find anybody in our church who on their daily prayer list agonizes over the souls of men. I, I hope that you will. I hope that I will. I hope we'll make this a priority. In the early days of our church, it was a burning priority for me. Uh, but I think maybe somewhere along the way, we lost sight of that and thought maybe if we can just keep this thing going week to week, we'll be good. But we can't ever get in the habit of just showing up for church and doing ministry the way we always have. We have to check ourselves, check our hearts. And I want to encourage you over the next several weeks to make the prayer of the souls of men the prayer of your heart. And I'm telling you this, when you begin to pray for souls and that God would give you the opportunity to share the gospel, you're just going to be like, like Eric shared a little bit earlier. I just had this golden opportunity rolled out in front of me and I was able to share my faith as you pray for that, as you're sensitive to that. I'm going to ask you to fast. Fasting is simply giving up a meal for the purpose of drawing closer to God. It means maybe I'll take my breakfast time that I would normally eat breakfast and I'm going to skip breakfast even though it's the most important meal of the day. I know. But I'm going to skip breakfast and I'm going to use that time to pray instead. Not like, hey, I could probably go without breakfast and I'm going to eat a huge meal at night the night before so that I can skip breakfast the next day. That's not the idea. The idea is that I would truly hunger with a physical hunger after the things of God. That when I want to eat, that thing that I wanted to eat, whether it's a muffin or a donut or a bowl of oatmeal or a couple of eggs and bacon, that thing that I want to eat no longer has my appetite because I greatly desire the things of God. And we should make that part of our regular spiritual disciplines, praying and fasting, especially, especially for the souls of men. Next, one of the reasons... Mark chapter 9, Jesus actually mentions this too. And when he's coming to the house, his disciples tried to cast out a demon. They couldn't. His disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast him out? And he said unto them, this, count cometh, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Jesus says, you want to get serious about the things of mine, pray and fast. Next, lack of fruitfulness could be a lack of faith. Jesus, when he went to his hometown, couldn't do anything that he wanted to do. Uh, Mark 6, verse number 5, there he could do no mighty work, save that he laid his hand upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief, and we went round about the villages teaching. Jesus says, I wanted to do something great, but I couldn't, so I just went and taught everybody instead. Does God want to do something through our church, but we just don't have the faith to believe it? Does God want to blow the doors off of what you and I have planned for his church, but we're just not ready to take that step of faith yet? I don't know but I'm checking my own heart. Do I still believe that God's able? It was our church's theme back in 2015. I preached for six months about how God's able to do everything under the sun. 
But do I still believe that in my own heart? It's a question I've had to ask myself, and I want you to ask yourself the same question. Does Jesus want to do a mighty work amongst our church? We're just not ready to receive it. Does he want to do a mighty work in my own heart, my own life, and my family, through my family? But I'm just not ready to take that step of obedience yet. I don't know, but I don't want to hold back what Jesus wants to do, and I don't want it to be a lack of faith. Next, could be a lack of sowing seed. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter number 9, verse number 6, was actually our text for uh, tonight, if we'd studied through first, or 2 Corinthians with a regular schedule. Paul says this, but I say he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Did you know that uh, if I say, for example, this is not a trick question, if I take a single watermelon seed and I plant it in my backyard and I, and I water it and water it and water it, what's the maximum amount of harvest I can expect from one watermelon seed? Anybody want to help me? One, right? Duh. If I plant one kernel of corn, how many stalks can I expect? Max, one, right? Unless you got one that falls off somewhere along the way or splits. Okay, just talking simple terms here. If I hand out one gospel tract this week, what's the maximum return I can expect on that? One, right? But what if I sow two? What if I sow 10? What if I sow 30, 40, 50? What, can I, what can, return can I see then? Here's the crazy part about it. Here's the crazy part about it. One seed sown in God's economy does not always equal a one return. Sometimes it could be a hundredfold return. Have you heard that in the Bible before? Yeah. Often TV preachers use that for talking about money. You know, you sow a dollar, you get $100 back. That's not what he's talking about there. It's talking about the Word of God. Sow the Word of God in somebody's life, and you're going to reap supernaturally. You see, when you and I do the work that God's called us to do of sowing seed, the seed of the gospel in our community, we don't get a one-to-one return. We get an exponential return when we're serious about sowing seed. Every week of the world, you got one invite in your bulletin. That one invite's not for you. You already know what time our services start, right? You've already heard the gospel because you came to church that day. That is for you to pass on to somebody else. I don't know if you, anybody noticed today, we got new invitations, right? We not only got new invitations, we got two different designs of the same invitation, right? Why did we do that? Because I don't want to get stuck in a rut. I want to be able to say to people, hey, did you get one of these yet? And if it's the same one that they saw six months ago, they say, yeah, I already got one of these. If it's a new one, maybe they'll say, hey, I haven't seen that one yet. Maybe it'll catch somebody's eye. Maybe it's just another opportunity for us to be able to get truth to people. I don't know, but I'm going to do everything I can to sow seed. We had a time of uh, community outreach yesterday at 9.30, and I want to encourage you, uh, if you're serious about the gospel, and I don't want to say this in a guilty way. I'm saying if you want to be serious about the gospel, one of the ways you can grow is by community outreach. I don't want to say if you're serious about the gospel, you'll show up at 9.30, and if you're not, you're not serious about it. Because, you can, look, you got, you got stuff going on, okay? I get it. But one of the ways that you can grow in your faith is by being here for outreach, by getting together with other folks in our church and say, hey, I'm going out. I saw one of our men one time, I was driving through his neighborhood. I saw him out with his daughter, passing out invites in his own neighborhood at a non-scheduled time. That's somebody with a burden for the gospel. And I'm asking all of us to share a burden to sow seed. You can sow one, you can sow 50, you can sow 500. Hey, look, I'll buy you your own box of 5,000 if you promise to get them out. I'm talking about sowing seed tonight. And if we sow one a week, we're going to reap sparingly. If we have three people show up for community outreach on Saturday and nobody else goes out at all throughout the week, we will reap sparingly. But if we are a church that is serious about the gospel, then we're going to go out and we're going to get the work done. Every single time we do, we see fruit. Every single time. 
Uh, oftentimes I'll ask people, how did you come to our church? I found you online. Uh, how did you come to our church? I drove past your, your church. You know, the third way that people say that they found our church, someone invited me, gave me a card, or left a card on my front door. Every single time. And here's the thing. The invite that you hand out this week won't necessarily bring forth fruit next week. Did you know that I have people that I've been talking about coming to church for over two years of giving them invites? Did you know that I have waitresses at restaurants that say, hey, do you have any of those new cards yet? I keep getting the same one every week. <laughs> yeah, we got new ones. I had a friend that called me who's, uh, several months ago. He said, hey, I was at the bathroom at the Starbucks in Coppola, and I found one of your invites there. Tell your church they're doing a bang-up job. Man, I love that. I love it. You know what that is? That's just somebody sowing seed. The more seed we sow, the greater harvest we can bring forth. So sow the seed of the gospel, and this comes through making relationships with people and developing time to be able to share truth with people. This next one I'm going to ask you to, to really check your heart with. Unrepentant sin blocks God's fruitfulness. I'm not trying to be weird. I'm not trying to be mystical. I'm not trying to be anything but biblical. God has shown time and time again in his word that he will withhold his hand of blessing or give his hand of judgment against one person's sin. One person. And I hope, I hope that God is not going to withhold his hand of blessing now or at any point in the future because we don't care about sin in our midst. But I want to check my own heart. I want to be like the psalmist who says, God, search my heart and see if there's any wicked way in me. In your notes, you see Isaiah 59 Verses one through four, behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities, your sin, has separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood, your fingers with iniquity, your lips have spoken lies, your tongue hath muttered perverseness. None calleth for justice, none pleadeth for truth. They trust in vanity and speak lies. They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity. That's heavy stuff, folks. And God says, hey, you know what? I can hear you just fine, but you can, I'm taking my hand of blessing on you because you are so perverse and you don't even care. It's a scary place to be, scary place to be. I'm thankful that God doesn't judge us for our sins. I want to be clear on this. My sin was judged at the cross of Calvary. The day that Jesus shed his blood and I accepted his payment of my sin, my sin is forgiven. God will not judge me or punish me for my sin. But God does not have to bring forth spiritual fruit in my life. That's a benefit of abiding with him. That's a result of having a right relationship with him. That's a healthy thing. And when I'm living in rebellion to God, when I'm unhealthy with God, God removes his hand of blessing and I forfeit those blessings because of my own sinfulness. I'd hate to think that our church is experiencing a time of spiritual unfruitfulness in some area because some guy is looking at pornography. I'd hate to think that our church is experiencing a time of a lack of fruitfulness in some area because of some woman's bitterness or anger towards another person. I hate to think that you and I have become so comfortable in our own sin that we don't even care about it anymore to the point where God steps back and he says, yeah, I'm just going to leave you right there for a minute. When you decide you want to clean up your act and put away this foolishness that you're dealing with, then we can come back to a fruitful relationship together. I don't know if that's the case in our church, but I want to ask you tonight, check your heart because I'm doing the exact same thing. So 
This is one of the areas that we cannot compromise on. This is an area that God is serious about. I've heard people say foolish things before, like, oh, God just loves me how I am, and God knows how, how much of a sinner I am, and he's okay with that. Hey, look, sin is so serious, God executed his only son because of it. It's a serious deal to him. Holiness is a big deal to him. Having other gods is a big deal to him. Read the Old Testament. The Old Testament, the children of Israel said, oh, we've got some other gods we think we'll, we'll follow instead. And God says, go ahead, go for it. And the entire Old Testament is a sword. I can summarize it for you. God has a people that he calls for himself. They follow him. They stop following him and follow other gods. <laughs> they decide to follow him again. He blesses them. They don't follow him any longer. And he sends chastisement upon them again and again and again and again. I don't want that to be the story for our church. I don't want us to have to go to it through a period where we're not experiencing the fruitfulness that God wants to give our church because of something that's not right in our own hearts. That's why I'm asking everyone here tonight, I'm asking our church family to be serious about this idea of looking at our own hearts and examining our own lives and see if there's any sin there. And if there is, we need to get rid of it. And please understand, in God's economy, there's no such thing as small sin. Sin, sin must be dealt with. This final one, I hope this will give you hope. I hope this will encourage your heart. And this is this, God's timing. Why aren't we experiencing the fruit that we want to? Because God's not ready yet, because his timing's perfect. We might look at this list and say, hey, everything is okay. Everything is great. We're all abiding in Christ the way that we should. We're all praying and fasting. We're all begging God to do something great. We're all hearts full of faith, fully expecting God to do something great. We're all serious about sowing seed. There's no unrepentant sin in our church family. And we're just waiting with open arms for God to bless us because he's promised to in his word. We're just waiting. And man, when God opens up the windows of heaven and pours out a blessing, he says, you can't even contain it. And so maybe we're just waiting on God's time. And I'm okay with that. You know why? If you've ever read the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. And it wasn't because he was just really an emotional guy that got teared up anytime he saw a romantic comedy, okay? Uh, Jeremiah was a weeping prophet because he preached and he preached and he preached and he poured his guts out again and again and again. And he said, repent again and again and again. And nobody repented. And God even told him at some point, hey, Jeremiah, you're gonna preach your guts out, but nobody's gonna hear you, but keep doing it anyways. And you know what? If who we call a Baptist church is the church that God says, keep preaching your guts out, keep loving people, keep sowing seed, and you will see no fruit from it, but just keep going. I'm okay with that, and I hope you are too. We don't live to serve God for numbers in a column on a spreadsheet. We live to serve God for his glory. And if God is getting glory by our love for him, our abiding with him, our sowing of seed, our repenting of sin, our having our faith strengthened and increased and praying and fasting and begging for his presence like never before, he gets glory from that. And if we get no fruit from it, I'm okay with that as long as everything else is good. Are you with me tonight? Some people have asked me, Oh, pastor, you may get saved this morning. Is the drought over yet? Hey, look, it's not to say that that one person got, got saved and hey, we're done with this, man. We can go back to the way things were before. No, this is a call to renewal in our hearts. I know we didn't put it on the schedule, but this is a call for revival. You know, sometimes you gotta put revival on the schedule and give it a you know, week time frame. You gotta call on a special speaker. No, 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 we're not doing any of that. I'm calling you tonight to revive your commitment to Jesus. 
I'm asking you to analyze this list and say, hey, are we seeing a lack of fruit because of, of this in my life? And I'm not saying this from a prideful or haughty position, but I'm saying this to you because this list is what I've been going over my own self for the last three weeks and asking God to tear my heart apart, tear my life apart, tear my family apart, put it under the microscope to find out, is it me? Is it my fault? Is there something I need to do? And as your pastor, I want the burden that I carry for the lost to be a burden that you carry for the lost, that we carry it together, that it's something that we can say, hey, we're praying for souls. We're praying that people get saved. Hey, I hope more people get baptized. I hope more people uh, commit to church membership. I hope more people enroll in discipleship. I hope we see more first-time guests. But we don't ever want to be at the point in our church family's life where we can say, ah, nobody's really getting saved, but I guess that's okay. We're doing all right in other areas. Hey, look, folks, if we hadn't seen someone baptized in 90 days, we should check our hearts and make sure everything's okay. If people don't have a desire and a hunger for the Word of God to be discipled and taught the Word of God, and we have zero people signed up for discipleship, we should check our hearts. If we have zero people that are coming for the first time to our church, we should check and make sure that everything's okay. Hey, we're seeing fruitfulness in many areas, don't get me wrong, but I want this church to always have a heartbeat for the lost soul that needs to know Jesus. Hey, folks, the day that we get to see somebody accept Christ as Savior here at Who We Call, we're gonna celebrate with the angels. The Bible says there's much rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that comes to repentance. We're gonna celebrate with all the angels. We're gonna high-five and get super fired up about it. But you know what we're gonna do? We're keep looking for the next one. And keep looking for the next one. And keep looking for the next one. And keep looking for the next one. How long are we gonna do this, Pastor? How long is this heart for souls and analyzing our own self? How long is this gonna last? Till the next person gets saved? For the, for, the next, for the next 90 days? How long is it gonna last? By the grace of God, it will last until Jesus comes back. We might have to pull over six months from now and reanalyze and check our own hearts again. And that's a very healthy thing. Very healthy thing. Hey, often we as guys pull our cars over every uh, 90 uh, days or so, every 3,000 miles, check the oil, check the filter, make some changes that we need to to keep it running. The guys that don't just run it till it just stops and dies on the side of the freeway and then abandon it and leave it there. <laughs> That's not God's plan. God's plan is that we would check our hearts, keep this thing going, continue to see fruitfulness in this area. We need to be careful though that through this we're not seeking fruit. We're not seeking a number, a check off. We're not seeking one person to pray a prayer. We're seeking the glory of God. We're seeking the face of God. We're seeking the priorities of God. That's the whole idea behind this. We're gonna have a special time of prayer together as a church family tonight. That's why we had the kids go in there uh, and uh, Brian and Anya are gonna talk to them about fruit bearing in their own lives. They're gonna have a time of prayer as kids tonight. But you know what I wanted in here tonight after we, after we get up in just a moment? Just people praying for Jesus' church. I didn't want us to have to corral our kids around and make sure that our kids aren't, you know, dumping stuff over. And, uh, you know, my kids are going to be the ones where they're playing in the coffee and stuff like that. I didn't want any of that. I just want us to be able to, to put everything to the side and just focus. If you're a first-time guest here tonight, that who we call it, first of all, thanks for being here. Second of all, uh, you're welcome to stay and pray with us. This is not just a church member thing. This is a Christian thing where we pray that God would use us to reach our city with the gospel. But the idea is this. I want fruit in my own life. I want fruit in my church family's life. I want fruit in my own family's life. I want fruit for my kids. I want them to grow up in a house where we expect spiritual fruit in, in every area of our lives. And I want when 
we're not seeing the fruit that we should, that we step back and, and check ourselves. And if everything's okay and we're 100% on track, we just continue to be patient, wait for God's timing when he does what he wants to do. Until then, we're going to continue to, to check ourselves, pray, fast, seek God's face, and abide with Jesus because that's where the fruit is at.